Hey everybody, this is the Tomato Tomato Podcast. It's a podcast about movies and how they're reviewed and finding good shawarma restaurants. I actually know where one is. It's really fucking good. I know. So it's over down in the loop. It's over. It's like right <laughs> off. <laughs> I actually know of a food truck that that's ah that sells shawarma and is really really good. But like, man, now I'm in the mood for shawarma. I know, right? <laughs> like, it's really good because it's it not is. like a hero, but it kind of is. But yeah. it's a whole thing on its own. I know. Like, I get, at the time when Avengers came out, I didn't really get it. And then I had shawarma for myself, and I'm like, I get it now. Yes. Like, thank you for <laughs> the thing that was relevant to my interests. But, yeah. So, in case we sound like crazy people, um, our episode today is, or in case you don't read episode descriptions or, or titles. titles. Um, we, today, are kind of gearing up for Infinity War, so... Every other week from now until Infinity War comes out, we're going to kind of do a retrospective of the MCU movies in phases. And so to start things off, we are going to talk about phase one. So, yeah, I'm Jenna, your usual co-host. And I'm the other usual co-host, Chris. Who really wants to go to the loop and find shawarma. There's got to be someplace closer to here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's as soon as we're done recording it's going to be your mission of the day it's like <laughs> to find shawarma <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> but but yeah um so we kind of did this before with star wars kind of a, a whole rundown it's going to kind of be the same we're going to start chronologically yeah uh not by tomato meter ranking um so first up we're going back 10 years God. Iron Man. Just Iron Man. No no numbers or anything. No subtitles. I do find it weird that like Iron Man as a franchise is too good for subtitles. Yeah, I think that's fitting for uh, Robert Downey Joe. <laughs> like it it like it, it makes me wonder if they had followed the same mindset as the other movies, like what would the subtitles be? But like the plots of all of the Iron Man movies are so non-specific. Yes. You would not be able to assign a subtitle to it. No, because they're so general. Yes. Uh, but like the so the first movie kind of set the standard for all the movies going forward. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. It's set like the formula. Yeah. kind of the uh, the format for how these movies would go while for the most kind part. Of, also kind of playing into the like tropes of the mid 2000s superhero movies kind of yeah it's very much of that time still yeah absolutely and it's not as action packed as some of the other ones no um, and i think people forget that this is uh robert downey coming off of it's sort of his redemption arc. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Being a uh, former drug addict, jailed a person, and yeah, not having the best career. He did some Disney dog movie with um, oh, uh-huh. with uh, Tim Allen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I, how good he was doing. I, as a kid, I loved that movie. <laughs> 
I won't hold that against you. I remember being on the playground in elementary school being like, oh my God, this movie was so good. And then I explained like half the movie to my friend and she's like, you know, I want to see that at some point, right? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. But yeah, it, it. and then like years later, I realized that that was Robert Downey Jr. Because <laughs> I was little and had no concept of that. But yeah, this was kind of his big like, like I don't know, return. His, his redemption, his return. And, and, and critics loved it. They yeah. liked his return because it's 94% fresh and 91 uh, for audiences. It says, um, John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. make this smart, high-impact superhero movie, one that even non-comic fans can enjoy. Which, like... There were, there were no expectations going into it. Exactly. So... Yeah, well, and that that is that almost in a way kind of sums up how the formula works of like, we're going to make something where you don't have to like, there's not as much gatekeeping. Yes, some of the it's really movies. only kind of hardcore comic fans knew because the very first Marvel Studios panel. Yeah, they announced, oh, we're gonna do an Iron Man movie and an Ant-Man movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. And <laughs> you could probably fit that whole and the audience in my bedroom. <laughs> and we go from that to now like Marvel is the thing to see at like yes. every panel. But but yeah, it like I think people kind of forget that Iron Man wasn't as big of a deal as everyone thinks he is now. Yeah. He was it, he was just a guy. He wasn't Spider-Man or the X-Men. Yeah, there really wasn't kind of the, the Marvel guys. Yeah, there wasn't the like instant knowledge of who he was the way that you have with Spider-Man. And I mean, it, it's kind of funny because now we're kind of in a point where when every time DC announces a movie, people are always like, well, who wants to see that? That's way too niche. No one gives yeah. a fuck about this character. Why do we need an Aquaman movie? Why do we need Shazam? And it's like, because no one really gave a fuck about Iron Man. Exactly. Like, people have like this short-term memory of how the MCU started. Yeah, because it's such a thing that's like ingrained in our pop culture now that they don't necessarily think about the fact that oh, it wasn't really that case. Like, and I think part of it is like I'm trying to think of how to articulate what I'm going to say. That I think one of Warner Brothers both like simultaneously strengths and weaknesses has been the fact that they've had so many different people play Batman and Superman and all that sort of stuff to where it's kind of it's almost like like oh we're gonna have someone do Hamlet and everyone's interpretation of Hamlet is different and you can pick your favorite Hamlet and whatever whereas like how Marvel has done things obviously Spider-Man is outside of that and the X-Men are kind of outside of that but like you're not going to have them recast Robert Downey Jr. Yeah and it's funny because like when people say it's like Robert Downey Jr. is the best Tony Stark and it's like the only only one outside of animation and the bad like serials and like 80s like, movies and there's stuff. nothing like, else you can compare no. it to like of course he's the default one exactly so i'm sure there is there are other actors out there who could do just as good if not a better job we just don't know yet yeah and we won't really ever know because yeah that like the way that Robert Downey Jr. has played it has been such a moneymaker that, like I said, once he's phased out of the MCU, they're just going to move to other characters. They're not going yeah. to even consider 
recasting. And so it's just kind of, it's it's funny to me how drastically different the approaches are, but people don't necessarily register that they're different. And, and then they fault DC for doing something completely different, but that's also effective in a completely different way. And it's funny that you mentioned recasting. <laughs> uh, but see, this recasting made sense. It did. Edward Norton was like, fuck no, I'm done. <laughs> and it was also because he wanted a lot of creative control. Yeah. And, they and, were that, like, and that might have hurt it a little bit. Even yeah. though it, it, it's, it's fresh, just barely. Kind of. Oh, yeah, just barely. 67% and 71% audience score. The Incredible Hulk, if you can't tell what we're talking about. Yes. Uh, it may not be quite the smashing success that fans of Marvel's Raging Behemoth might hope for, but it offers more than enough big green action to make up for its occasionally puny <laughs> narrative. <laughs> um, side note, fuck the... I, I'm still mad at Rotten Tomatoes' website redesign. Like, it's it, ugly. it hurts my eyes. And we haven't, it's been a little while, it's been <laughs> a hot minute since we recorded an episode of this. And it's just like, I forgot how much this hurt my eyes. It's so jarring. Yeah. Too much of that ugly color. Yeah. Also, speaking of jarring, so I was trying to, I was just trying to figure out a thing in terms of like a uh, frame of reference. So, if you had to guess what the like don't look don't look it up. If you had to guess what the scores are for the Hulk movie that came before this, what would you think it would be? So the Angley Hulk, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I thought it was fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm gonna guess it's gonna be surprisingly higher than this one. No, I mean like guess an actual number. Uh, 75. And what would you guess the audience score is? 42. So the tomato meter for the 2003 Hulk is currently at 62%. So about as about where the Incredible Hulk is, but with a small discrepancy. And the audience score is at 29%. Good. (laughs) So it's it pretty obvious there. Yeah, it's a shit movie. Like it, it's it's fascinating to me how the like the whole trial and error of what works and what doesn't when superhero movies were still a thing that was trying to be figured out is still so fascinating to me. And the fact that they were like, Yeah, let's let Ang Lee make an art house movie that's secretly <laughs> a Hulk movie, like is so weird, but I'm also fascinated by it at the same time. Because yeah so awful but it's such a weird thing that is never going to happen ever again oh no not at all yeah yeah lewis Letieri, and ed norton kind of wrestling for control on this movie yeah which led to his recasting incredible hulk does not feel like an mcu movie it's like the forgotten like it, it's the kind of like the stepchild it's like oh yeah you're basically there if we want you to be there kind of because like it's forgotten because it has ed norton still and it's so tonally different from everything else well and the only thing that really connects it is the post-credit scene like of tony being like hey you want to join the avengers like that's well the- they also kind I remember, so Abomination in the movie, he's he's created through the 
the super soldier formula oh. serum. Oh, yeah. I, so it's there was been, that little connective tissue. It's been ages since I've seen this movie. <laughs> like, I, I choose to not remember <laughs> anything from it. But, like, yeah, I mean, there was enough, like, connective tissue there. But it's so very clearly a movie that was made by a different studio. Yeah. Still kind of under the same umbrella because they kind of wanted it to be. And, like... Honestly, I I almost wish that they had kind of neglected this movie more. Like having the guy show up in Civil War again after he was in this movie, I was just kind of like, okay, like yeah. making things more confusing. I don't get why you're doing this kind of <laughs> <laughs> like, are we wanting to treat Incredible Hulk as canon or not? Because they, yeah, they're very yeah. bit choosy when they want to remember it. Yeah, it's just because like we'll we'll we won't see any of those other Hulk characters in movies again until they just outright buy Universal. Yeah, because well, yeah, Universal just does not want them to. They're like, no, you're not allowed to do that. You can like use Hulk kind of went in a smaller capacity. Yeah, but, not um, in a solo sense. Yeah, which like I don't mind. But it also kind of bums me out because then that also means that they probably have that sort of grasp with She-Hulk and I want like a She-Hulk like TV series. Yeah, there needs to be She-Hulk attorney at law (laughs) Netflix show. Exactly. Like it would be really fun and it's kind of disappointing knowing that we won't get that. But yeah, so this is just like the forgotten stepchild really. And like the effects aren't great. They were great for the time yeah it was 2008 yeah it that was a it was a big year for comic movies 2008 yeah Uh, and then so next up we have kind of well it's a little bit better than i expected to on the tomato meter yeah iron man 2 i remember there was so much discourse uh (laughs) behind the scenes um also, I take back what I said about, oh, Marvel won't recast, because they did recast, they and did. this movie was an example of it. But I also think the roadie thing was kind of, it kind of made sense. But this was, and, and, early, and see, it was early on enough that it made sense of, like, people won't want to commit to a franchise the way that they would have thought. Because so many superhero movies that weren't Spider-Man were like, oh, we're going to set up a sequel at the end of our first movie, and then it's never going to happen. Because yeah. nobody gives a fuck about the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, or like I mean like the Fantastic Four movies to an extent but they were still garbage (laughs) but like I can see Terrence Howard just being like peace out (laughs) well he wanted more money Um, and they didn't want to give it to him so he left that's why they got Don Cheadle okay and I remember uh, watching the first trailer for Iron Man 2 Mm -hmm. and they had Rhodey's scene Mm -hmm. and he walks into court and's like it's me it's me I'm here deal with it kind of like this meta addressing of uh <laughs> being cast in the role uh-huh and then uh so tomato meter 73 percent and 72 audience that's about where i would expect it to be yeah like, i mean i think now it would score lower yeah it's also uh, yeah it's kind of funny because there was someone i forget who kind of recently who said like oh 
if if Iron Man, like if the first Iron Man, just as it was, was released now, people would be like having a lot of discourse about how politically incorrect and horrible of a person Tony is. Yes. And I was like, thank you, because it, it like these movies do kind of have that factor of like, I don't know, it's just Tony's performance like anchors the whole thing, kind of for better or for worse. And I'm surprised we've gone this long without mentioning Gwyneth. Gwyneth. <laughs> well, that's your own fault because you're the one on the Gwyneth. Yeah. So, yeah. It. And so Iron Man 2 really kind of, it suffered from them trying to, it's like, okay, we have two successes. Now we're really going to launch this universe. And then shoving them things in there like Cap Shields, Black <laughs> Widow, Nick Fury, underdeveloped whiplash oh god um mickey work rourke rourke yeah yeah um he he did not have a fun time with this movie i remember because <laughs> he wanted more character development mm-hmm. and he kind of fought and lost and he just did not have a good time because i remember seeing an interview saying it was like uh it just chaos on the set like not knowing what they were doing <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to save the comments that I'm about to make for when we cover Iron Man 3, because (laughs) that is the worst example of everything that you just said. But yeah, I mean, like, you're right. There was kind of a little too much going on. And, but like, again, it's 2010 or whatever. Yep. So just a couple years later. Yeah. It's still just kind of quick. It's still just kind of ironing out the kinks a little bit. Yeah, which for something like this, they were still figuring shit out. So it's like, I can't fault them too much. Oh, wow. Do you mean a franchise can like actually evolve and figure out things and doesn't have to instantaneously mirror something else? What a concept. concept. (laughs) I hate the internet. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we say as we upload a podcast to the internet. Yes. But yeah, it, like, this movie is just kind of, it's just there. Yeah, I remember it it was kind of, it was all flashy. And it's like, I remember, like, the spectacle of the movie was like, holy shit, he has a new armor. Or, like, two new armors. And it's like, that was, like, the height of, like, hype for the MCU at the time. I am so sick of the, oh my God, Tony has new armor. I can't tell the difference. I don't care enough about Tony to really know the difference. It's like, that's, that's his character development now. He just gets new armor. Yeah. I'm just, because all the character development since the first one is gone. Yeah. Yep. But like it, I just don't care about like the evolution of Tony's armor. Like I'm sure if I actually had paid attention, it would be fascinating to me, but just kind of like, I just don't care about Tony. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Just done. Because it's just the straight white male fantasy. Like, yeah. It's just, it's just this character that the neckbeards kind of wish that they could be. And I don't know. That's just kind of, that's what always has kind of made me a little. I don't know, wary of Tony and how yes. he's portrayed in the MCU is because it so heavily capitalizes on Robert Downey. That yeah, Robert Downey and that kind of escapism factor. Like he 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 plays the performance well, but in at a point he's also just playing himself. Basically. He doesn't. So I, the other day I was curious and I looked him up on IMDb 
D, whatever it is. IMDb. Yes, that one. Yeah. This is all he does now. Yeah. It's just Marvel movies. He doesn't do other movies anymore. He keeps saying, oh, I'll do Sherlock. And no, no, you're not. <laughs> Quit lying. He's going to do more movies. He's supposedly doing like rebooting Dr. Doolittle or some shit. But like. Yeah, but if you look at his credits, like, it's not much. And I don't blame him to an extent because he's, yeah. he's getting a shit ton of money. He doesn't really have to work much. No, he can just like kind of have a second banana roll in Civil War and then Homecoming and all of that and then still make a gigantic paycheck and move on. At least he's, I don't know. And I, I just was, I, I'm like trying to make a joke about Gwyneth in Homecoming, but then I could not Gwyneth. make the joke. <laughs> like that day when you thought that Gwyneth was the like second credited person in Homecoming. That, yeah. That was a dark day. <laughs> it was a very dark day. Uh, so then we go from the, of darkness. the highest grossing Avenger to the generally lowest grossing Avenger. Yeah. Or... But still better on the tomato meter. Yeah. 77 uh, and 76 uh, critics. Dazzling blockbuster that tempers its sweeping scope with wit, humor, and human drama. Thor is mighty Marvel entertainment. But see, okay. Yeah, so they, I feel they, like... they, they forgot to mention Dutch angles. Yeah. <laughs> a dazzling blockbuster with a lot of Dutch angles. Like, this is such a bizarre... It, it's almost like angling like the Ang Lee Hulk movie in a way. Like, like, like I understand the logic of having Kenneth Branagh direct this. But it's so, it's such a unique and fascinating and yeah. also like effective and ineffective choice. Like it, it almost kind of, cause like you could make the argument that we were just saying about Iron Man about like before the MCU, no one really knew who Thor was. And so I get needing to introduce him to audiences in this way of the like kind of capitalizing on the like Shakespearean drama of it all. But like the end result of this movie is so weird. Yeah. I like the cast is good. I mean, Natalie Portman is, is there. I like her the most in this movie. Yeah. She does the best in this one. You could tell in dark world. She phones it in because she didn't want to be there. Well, and also there's like the the ratio of how much she's phoning it in versus how much she is actually like playing a role in what's happening is like too high for both things. It's like yeah. she had a bigger role in the actual events of what was going on. And then in the process, she like was not really committing to it. Yeah. I also think this movie set kind of a double edged sword because it introduced Darcy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and like this weird humor that we didn't need in these movies. And they kind of yeah. carried on with that. Uh, it was yeah. unnecessary. I'm like you go on your rants about Darcy. I need to I, a lot I've already her. done that before. People can go back and listen to the Ragnarok episode. Did you rant about Darcy? I can't remember. Darcy's stupid and a waste of screen. <laughs> <laughs> like I like Kat Dennings, but. But stay out of my Thor movies. She's basically the felicity of. She is. Like the quirky girl that's our proxy that we don't need. Yeah. Well, and like I feel like that with a lot of the supporting characters in the Thor movies. I, I've complained about it during the Ragnarok episode. 
the Warriors three are handled so weirdly in these movies. Yeah, because they're so awesome in the comics, and <laughs> Sif is boring. I'm sorry. I know Sif. Like they have just let Sif down a million times over. But I just like we're at this point now where we could just dive in right into these crazy comic concepts, and I wish they had done that from the beginning. Uh -huh. I understand that it you need to kind of ease audiences into this kind of stuff sometimes. Yeah, because like, like it's a lot to introduce going from just kind of like Iron Man and Hulk to here's uh, like Norse gods and magic and all of this weird stuff. Yeah, and like it, I mean, we've heard Marvel's excuses for why it took so long for Black Panther, but like with that logic, it does kind of make sense to go from kind of these superheroes that are like the everyman sort of thing. Like even Thor was kind of a big enough leap at that point in time. But if you had gone from that to suddenly, oh, there's this city that's shut off from the world and they're all technologically advanced and whatever, like that would have been yeah. too much of a leap for people like this early on in the MCU. 2011 was kind of a, I know I said 2008 was a big year for comic book movies, but 2011 was too. Yeah. Because it had three very different superhero movies that we hadn't had before. Uh, and Thor kind of being the the fantasy genre one. And then the next one we're going to talk about Captain America being a period piece war movie, superhero movie. Yeah. And then he also had Green Lantern was kind of the sci-fi one. <laughs> Green Lantern was Green Lantern. Yes. Uh, I'm like, it's so funny putting the timeline of things like against each other because i completely forget that that's when green lantern came out and like i completely forget that iron man and the dark knight came out in the same year yeah like, it's it's just so weird to me kind of lining those up together yeah it's like that whole thing of like cleopatra lived closer to woolly mammoths than uh, exactly. the moon launch that's exactly how it feels it's so <laughs> weird and like even when you go further back it's like the really shitty marvel movies where they were just trying their best and then like the the dc movies that happened around that time and all that sort of stuff it's just funny to see what what was out at the same time yeah because it, it it obviously wasn't dominating the pop culture discourse the way that it is now but it would have just been kind of funny to be like oh in one year you get like punisher and fantastic four and superman and 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 like yeah, this is yeah because this is a time when at least for marvel movies we got one a year every other year there yeah. wasn't this overload where we go from Black Panthers dominating to right into Infinity War dominating. Yeah. Like, uh, we were just talking about that before we started recording. We wholeheartedly expect that Black Panther will be number one or close to number one for the entire run until Infinity War. There is potential where we could see two Marvel movies uh, be number one and two at the box office at the same time. Which is fucking insane. Mm -hmm. It's so. Because I really don't see anything between now and Infinity War, knocking it down. No, like people are kind of thinking that Pacific Rim could, but I don't think. I don't think it will. Everyone everyone thought that with Tomb Raider and A Wrinkle in Time, and then that did not happen. And so I, I wholeheartedly think that it'll be Black Panther and then Pacific Rim, which is kind of amazing at the same time, because like as much as people are kind of, like we were talking about this before, that people are kind of complaining about Black Panther doing so well. They're like, you're giving other movies not enough time to shine because Black Panther is consistently being number one. And it's like, and I said, make better movies. Yeah. Well, but also at the same time, you have like the week that a wrinkle in time came out and it was number two. You had 
two the 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 one in two movies in the world were directed by people of color and starring people of color and had really di diverse casts and so like you you you'll have this week when Pacific Rim comes out and it's probably number two it's like two movies starring black men in completely different yeah. like franchise capacities and stuff and so I just think that's really cool and I think there's a good thing in that and not so much with all the bad thing pieces of like hey Black Panther let's <laughs> turn. But yeah, it, it's just weird thinking about how it used to be when it was like you actually had to wait. Yeah, which is yeah, there was this had... way, and the, the whole uh, the fandom at the time. I remember <laughs> going back. Everyone on Tumblr was thirsting over Loki. <laughs> it was a dark uh, time. This was about. I came into the Marvel fandom at First Avenger, and so yeah, this was about when. I was aware of all of that. And yeah, everyone with Loki was just like too much. But it was way too much. And then, and, but they had no idea what was coming up next. Well, but they were uh, thirsting over. Yeah. But po like before that, I was just going to say the whole thing of having these release dates a little more spread out. It's so funny how we went from that and having that be kind of the norm to the norm we have now to now people shitting on warner brothers in dc for actually taking time <laughs> like yeah like the fact that we're kind of in like it, it feels like we're in this dry spell waiting for aquaman to come out but then at the same time it's not as bad as the wait between incredible hulk and iron man 2 exactly like there was still a wait it's just you can't compare something that's 10 years into its life compared to something that's what five four years in yeah, exactly. Like, there's only five films. Yeah, five. But yeah, I mean, with Thor, it's just kind of funny to me because, like, like how you were kind of talking about how the fandom was sort of in its early days, sort of, and what, <laughs> what was the focus and what wasn't the focus and whatever. And it is, it's just kind of funny to go from, like, oh, this is so good. This, like, the first Thor movie is so perfect and hopefully we'll just keep getting this as it goes along and to go from that to like the kirby bonanza <laughs> that is ragnarok yeah like it's just insane it yeah it's still very much in that early mcu style where it's like we're gonna experiment a little but not kind of still fully embrace the craziness and we're gonna uh, be really boring yeah like, honestly that's the thing like every villain like in all of the movies that we have stated now is super forgettable like yeah uh, there's nothing really memorable about them they've all just kind of been one and done and moved on and, yeah. and marvel has admitted that their weakness was the villains yeah and, and i feel like we'll we'll cover it later but this last phase has had the strongest villains yeah, well, and it's also, it again, here's a, like, I hate to keep going back to the DCU, but, like, everyone's like, oh, the early DCU movies are all just these CGI villains, and it's so bad, and blah, 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 blah. Well, all of Facebook, Abomination, Ironmonger. All of these uh, shitty, like, destroyed, yeah. Like, CGI villains. Like, it, it's just so, it's so funny to me that history is kind of repeating itself, and just yeah. her, like, I don't know. People are trying to like move the goalposts consistently without forgetting that we were at this point at this point with Marvel. <laughs> like, and then, I, yeah, yeah. Because and then speaking of villains uh, who did not want to be there, <laughs> Hugo Weaving, 
he I, he just reluctantly signed on to do Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, it's 80%. Yeah. Pretty high. It's the second highest uh, phase one MCU movie. Honestly. And, and 74%. I'm surprised the uh, audience is lower. Yeah. Because usually, why. yeah, it's such a disparity because the rest are just a few point difference. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's the largest disparity. Um, critics say with plenty of pulpy action, a pleasant retro vibe, and a handful of fine performances, Captain America <laughs> is a is solidly old-fashioned blockbuster entertainment. I arguably think this is the best phase one movie. This is the one that consistently the most. Like, they... And part of it is the nostalgia factor. Part of it is the fact that it's a completely different era. But, like, when I rewatch this movie, it holds up so well. It does. Whereas the modern-day MCU movies get worse and worse. It, it, it sets up so much, but not in a way that Iron Man 2 tried to. Yeah, it doesn't like beat you over the head with what it's trying to tell you. It just weaves it all into the story. It's yeah, it's just like the critic consensus says, it's pulpy action with solid performances and it's just entertaining. Yeah. And I feel like they got Joe Johnston to direct this because of the Rocketeer. Oh, uh-huh. Because yeah, that was like 1991, and it was that's another kind of like World War II pulpy superhero. Here we go, mentioning the Rocketeer again. I like, right? as soon as you said that, I got war flashbacks <laughs> to Sky Captain. But, but see, it's kind of like following that in Thor. It's kind of like this typecasting or type yeah. directing. Yeah, it's like kind of the similar thing with Kenneth Branagh of like, yeah. you know how to, you are good at getting what we want from this movie. Yes. Like it, it, it's kind of almost the beginning of the like yes man sensibility. Yeah, because you have directors in phase one who are names, but then the further you go along, it's kind of like TV directors, smaller directors who they can kind of mold in their image. Yes. Sort of. Yeah. But like even with these phase one movies, it's like we're hiring you because we know that you can execute what we want you to execute, like down to a pretty close T. Whereas like where we're in now is so much more we're going to give you the reins to do whatever you want. Yeah. And there was still kind of world building and it's still it was still kind of that early formula where it wasn't super jokey. There was still drama that uh it wasn't something I'm trying to think of an analog. <laughs> it wasn't like Ant-Man level of comedy yeah. or Doctor Strange. It was a, it's a damn good movie. It's, it's so good. Entertaining. <laughs> it's entertaining. It's pretty to look at it like, and I'm biased in a way. This was, yeah. my, first, this was my first MCU movie. This was like, I have a good memory associated with this movie. I went to see it in the theater for the first time as my like 13th birthday party or no 16th. I'm like, what, how old am I? 16th. Yeah. Um, my 16th birthday, we all went and sat in the back row of the theater and watched this movie. And it was like really enjoyable. And I was, I loved this movie so much. And like you said, kind of the Tumblr, like thirst standing, this movie kind of don't <laughs> like, Oh God. Like, like just me me is just like I'm having so many bisexual feelings right now. <laughs> Everyone in this movie is so attractive. Because <laughs> like everyone just at their peak, like in a way. Like 
Sebastian's yeah. man is like just I don't know. There's just so many like nice aesthetics and nice things that are going on in this movie that I'm glad still have significance. Yep. Like yeah. Like even like the Howling Commandos. Like I I love how that was executed. Me too. Like it it handled such a big cast. Yeah. Well, and kind of it was a better ensemble than Iron Man two. Or Thor. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, it just kind of, it knew where, and I think kind of putting it in the confines of a war movie, like, it kind of makes that a little bit easier. Because I, I feel like, I'd, yeah. And like, I knew because they were setting up Avengers, but I do wish we got one more World War II cat movie. Yeah. Because there's still so much that could have been done Uh huh. with that. Like, I would have loved to see the invaders. Um, there's still so much that they could do, but, you know, I'll take it. Like this is this is so self-contained, but also not like yes, because it immediately yeah. launches into Avengers. Yeah, and like it, and like I said, like this movie kind of has the most kind of callbacks within the MCU. Yeah, because it has direct connections to Thor. Um, well, and I mean, like and Iron Man. And I mean, like, going forward, kind of. Like, even, like, the thing in Homecoming that I love, when it was like, oh, we recast the same guy to play the principal, and so we're going to have a picture of his yeah. father on his desk. Yeah. Just cool little shit like that. I love. Because it's just kind of, it's building out the history of it all in a way that, like, didn't, I don't know, that hadn't been done with the previous movies. Yeah, it's something, it's kind of in the same vein of, it, it got a lot of comparisons, but Wonder Woman. Yeah. But it, Wonder Woman almost in a way is more self-contained. Like there's so little of it that ties to the present DCU outside yeah. of Diana's story. Like there's there's bits and pieces if you want it. Like the whole argument that like, oh, Dr. Poison was making the Bane like serum and all that sort of stuff. Like there's interpretations of stuff that you could like you could argue carries over, but it's not like first Avenger where yeah. stuff actually did. That's true. Yeah. Over. Like in terms of Bucky's role and in terms of Peggy Carter's role and all that sort of stuff. Like I know that might not have necessarily been, it almost makes me wonder, like, were they expecting that this early on of like, Oh, we're going to like, did they know winter soldier was going to be a thing when they filmed this? I think they maybe had it in the back of their mind. Yeah. Cause I remember Sebastian Stan like signed up for a 12 picture deal or yeah. something. Like some crazy amount of <laughs> movies, but like I, it, it. There's so many things that were telegraphed in such an effective way, and like that, it's kind of impressive to me. Like in the way that these other solo movies really didn't. Yeah, and it's it set up the first real trilogy. Yeah, the MCU. I, Iron Man trilogy. It's so disjointed. And, and it's it, like the Iron Man movies to me just feel like connective tissue. Yeah. Like they're just there to kind of bridge the gap between what like what is going on in the movies around it. Whereas I feel like like the cat movies and even the Thor movies, even though they like the third one is arguably the best, like they're they're trying to kind of they're they're responding to the world that is happening around them, but they're also telling their own story within it. Yes. So yeah. I just love First Avenger. Like God Me too. Uh, and then that brings us to 92%, 91 audience score, uh, 2012's Marvel's Avengers. 
also one thing to pivot back to cap one so when we were talking about the fandom i still love that before captain marvel was ever cast the discourse was that oh natalie dormer is secretly captain marvel and they already had cast her as that in cap <laughs> one because everyone was like well that doesn't make any sense and it's like okay so if you had space powers and you had the ability to possibly travel through time it wouldn't the first thing that you would do be to go back in time and make out with captain america yes <laughs> but, yeah so it was just like i loved like the point in time in that fan in the fandom when that was a solid fan theory <laughs> Like I just, it's such a time capsule of a little thing, but it was just it made me happy as a little thing. And like the, the thing that we said about like telling different points of the history, I am really excited for the actual Captain Marvel and what it presents of the history of it all. Like that. Yeah, it's it's going to be the yeah. first Avenger of Phase Four. Yeah, exactly. Because we have this new crop of new Avengers. Well, it's still and three. Yeah, whatever phase we're going to be in. <laughs> but but Captain Marvel will be the first adventure, kind of filling in this gap of history that we hadn't seen yet while it has new heroes introduced around it. And new villains and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And like that, like when, when they first announced that it was going to be set in the 90s, like I was like, oh, okay. But like the more that I've sat on it, I've, I genuinely love it. And I'm really excited to see how that kind of builds out. But yes. yeah, back to Avengers. The movie that arguably ages the worst. <laughs> like it's so weird. It's, it's so weird. It was there are lots of people that still say this is their favorite or the best comic book movie. I don't want to invalidate your opinion. But <laughs> but how? there are the, the best Avenger movies don't have Avengers in the title. <laughs> Because it's uh, Winter Soldier and uh, Civil War, but moving on. Uh... <laughs> okay, like Civil War has its problems. Winter Soldier, when we get to it, is a perfect movie. Like I can find no flaw in it. But like even I don't know. It's just this movie ages so horribly. Like, and it's part of it is the Whedon of it all, which like you if you've listened to us before, you have heard enough about Whedon, <laughs> like how we yeah. live our lives, but. It it's just so fascinating to me because I was in that camp when I saw this movie for the first. Oh time. yeah, I, I remember seeing this in theaters, and it 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 was a feat to kind of weave all of those previous movies together into this. Yeah, it hadn't been done before, and like there were like it it genuinely felt like this is epic and unprecedented and yeah, thing. but. I don't know. It's just such a weird thing it, to get to the point where we are now. Yeah, this it's a very by the numbers movie. The pacing for the first act is very jumpy. Yes. Um, there's not a lot, a lot of plot to it. No. Uh, the Russos handled a much better uh, plot and story in their movies, but you know, uh, it's very. I think a lot of it is because it's. Oh, it's so bright and colorful and compared to like, you know, the other movies from the other studio. Uh, <laughs> it it's just so weird. Like, and then it was also the introduction of Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Yes. Which Yeah. But like it, the weird thing is is that when you're talking about I don't even know, but like I feel like arguably Ragnarok handles having an ensemble better than this movie does. Yeah. You can but, even argue Guardians. 
Yes, exactly. Like, but I feel like Guardians is so disconnected from everything at this point. But in terms of introducing characters who don't know each other and coming together in one movie, too, they did it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, was, in terms of, I, I was kind of using Ragnarok as an example because like audiences already knew and had spent time with Thor and Hulk, whereas like no one knew the Guardians before the first Guardians came see, out. Even going back to then, I don't think everyone really saw all the movies leading up to Avengers. No, no, I no one, no one did. No I, one had. No. Everyone in the theater for Avengers had not seen uh, Cap and Thor and all the Iron Mans. Like they maybe pick and chose because they didn't know it was all one big kind of tapestry moving yeah. into Avengers. Well, and like like I said, I got into the MCU when first Avenger came out. I remember in the period of time, because like I lost my shit at the end of First Avenger and they had the big teaser for Avengers. Yeah. So like I went back and watched Thor and I watched I think Iron Man one and that was it. Because I was kind of like, oh, well, I don't need to give a shit about Hulk. And <sighs> Iron Man 2 apparently isn't that good. So it's just kind of like, it was kind of a weird thing where no one felt obligated to see everything. Yeah, because it wasn't, no one knew. Yeah. It wasn't kind of appointment uh, movie going. Exactly, yeah. Uh, this like Avengers is such a weird flashpoint. It's just so weird. It like, I don't know. I'm yeah. happy. I'm happy that it's a, like that. It gave me the feelings that it did when I saw it for the first yeah. time. It's fun to watch, but we've improved since then. Like even I don't know, and like we'll really talk about it when we get to Age of Ultron. But it's like these movies, and part of it is the Whedon of it all. His directing is not <laughs> effect. I don't know. It's it's not necessarily as effective or timeless as yeah. some other directing is. And I can't really put my finger on exactly why his directing is that way, but like his his Avengers movies just age so badly. Like I remember even watching Age of Ultron like a year after it came out and I was like this is bad. <laughs> it's he was a nerd TV director. And their thinking was like, oh, we'll get this guy. Nerds know him. Uh, let's give him a lot of money. Yeah. It's just, and it paid off. It paid off, but I'm glad that everyone has learned their lesson. I'm glad that we unintentionally predicted him getting fired from Batgirl. Yep. Um, but yeah, it. Like, I appreciate this movie for what it is. I'm really curious to see how Avengers 4 supposedly revisits this. Since we know from that like set photo that there there's very shenanigans, yeah, they're very clearly going back to this. Like we've talked about it before. If it's if it's a updated version or like a somewhat updated version of that sweeping shot of all of them in the circle, but like with more people added, I am going to lose my shit. Oh yeah, we all will. Uh, it's just like yeah, like I appreciate this movie individually for what it is, but I also accept that it is not as good of a movie as time passes on. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else about it since this is the end of phase one? <laughs> I'm like... I think that caps off phase one. Yeah. But... And so next we'll do phase two. Yes. So subscribe and follow for that. Yeah. So uh, well, it'll be interesting to talk about when we get to phase three, because like we've covered a lot of those movies individually, but like the scores have changed. Yes. The public perception has kind of changed. And so 
it'll be interesting to see like how that comes together. But yeah, so this is the start of our MCU recap. Where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter, um, freaking out about Captain America's beard and his new mustache. We might add, he now has a porn stash that <laughs> I'm kind of here for. <laughs> like it's it's a never ending cycle of mustaches because literally Henry Cavill just shaved his off and then now Chris Evans is like, hey, guess what? I have one now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and all of that at Hey It's Jenna Lynn. Where can people find you? They can find me on the socials at the Chris Fitto. You can find the podcast at Tomato Tomato Pod at uh, tomato tomato pod at gmail uh fuck facebook um so we just follow a, us on twitter we have a facebook but fuck facebook fuck facebook uh just follow us on twitter <laughs> subscribe on itunes leave reviews tell your friends tell your family tell your frenemies uh tell your weird neighbor about us yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm like tell those tell the random people in your loki fan group <laughs> tell your local grocer yes that too but yeah so we will be back next week with something else and then in two weeks we will have our phase two and yeah so until then keep watching movies except uh let's go with iron man 2 yes that is that is more topical than <laughs> right bye bye